it's so awesome to be able to be a part of people's lives and to see, you know, what God, is, what God does uh, in and through, through them and uh, be a part of their journey. And so we look forward to having you guys back. Is this your family that uh, has... Mom and Dad. Hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, we, we're in the middle of a series called Unshakable, and we decided to do this series because so many things in our culture and in our, our nation and world... Uh, have been kind of turned upside down. So we, you know, the economy is going crazy. The uh, inflation is is. How many of you like paying ten dollars per gallon of gas? We're not there yet. Hopefully, we never get there. Uh, but you know, Costco chicken is going up, fish is going up, like gas is going up, um, and our it's not just the economy, but politics, um, uh, relationships between nations. Uh, diseases, all this kind of stuff is, if, if we base our lives on any of these things, uh, our lives have been going through shaking. And so one thing that we're very, we're very confident in is the unshakable foundation of Scripture, the unshakable foundation of who Jesus Christ is. And so uh, we've, we're, we're diving into the kingdom of heaven uh, the most famous sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. It comes from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, Matthew 5 talks all about inside being more important than the outside. In a world where everything is focused on the appearance and, and the outside and what we do and how much we have, uh, Jesus says the outside is not as important as what's on the inside. And so in an Instagram crazy culture where we focus on the right angles and the right filters, Jesus said that there's only one thing that matters, and that's what goes on in our hearts. And how many of you are appreciative that God has an Instagram account, and his Instagram account only has one filter? That filter is the sacrifice of his son on the cross, and he sees us through that sacrifice. How many of you are appreciative of that, that you don't have to look at God at the right angle, or you don't have to have the right food that you show or whatever, God accepts you for, for the sacrifice that Jesus, Jesus made on the cross, and that's the filter that he sees you, that's the filter that he sees me through. This, uh, Matthew chapter 6 talks about the difference between heaven and earth, where the kingdoms of earth all focus on the natural, all focus on storing up your treasure on earth, but Jesus said that there's a greater kingdom, an unshakable kingdom, and that's the kingdom of heaven. And so he, he encourages the believer, he encourages you and I to not focus all of our attention on the things of earth, but to store up our treasure in heaven where thieves cannot steal, moths cannot destroy. And he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, but balances that off with, and then all these things, everyone say all these things, all these things shall be added to you. It's, it's Jesus's desire to give us the kingdom, but he instructs us to prioritize the kingdom of heaven before the kingdom of earth, and that is something that's unshakable. I, uh, one of the things that I used to do when I was a youth pastor was I used to bring the kids up on the stage, and I would, I would have two basketballs, and I would say uh, one basketball represents wealth, and then another basketball represents like great relationships. And how many of you want a good boyfriend? How many of you want a good girlfriend? How many of you want a good spouse when you grow up? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. How many of you want to be rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's like for those things. And I said, okay, so I'm going to give you these balls, put it down in the ground. Now, now stand on those. 
And then nobody would want to stand on the basketballs because if they stood on the basketballs, you know, they, they would fall off. What, what God wants to do is make sure that those things are not our foundation and instead stand on the ground, something that's solid, and then put the basketballs in your hand. What God says is seek first the kingdom of heaven and then all these things will be added. Everyone say added. Added. It's not the foundation of your life. It's added to us. And so there's a priority in chapter 6 of heaven before earth. And then in chapter 7, it talks about the pathway to an unshakable life, uh, uh, eternal, uh, an eternal perspective. And so um, we're going to, we talked about those two things, inside out, upside down, the past several weeks. And now we're jumping into chapter 7, what produces an unshakable life. Um, so I'm going to... Um, the title of this message is Run Your Own Race. Everyone say, run your own race. And, and you can turn to the person next to you and tell the person next to you, run your own race. God's given every single one of us a race to run. He hasn't called us to run someone else's race or to evaluate someone else's race. He's called us to run our own. And um, what I, we, I, I recently just came from a track meet uh, on Oahu, a state track meet where my son was doing pole vault. And it's so, so interesting that uh, the best runners, they don't watch the runners on the side of them. And I remember when I used to run track and, uh, and even watch my kids in swimming, one of the things that all coaches tell their, their athletes is don't look at your competition. When you're swimming, you don't like, look at where your, your competition is. You just focus on the finish line and just do your thing. You run your own race. Uh, even in hurdles, like, I, I love watching hurdles because the hurdles are the most uh, dangerous to me. It's, like, the most dangerous event because you always see kids, like, hooling over the, the hurdles and landing face first, and it's, it's, it's the most exciting thing to watch. <laughs> but, but one of the most dangerous things is when they're, like, looking at the person on the side of them. And in our nature, it's just our nature to, like, compare ourselves, to, like, look at other things, and that's when, like, accidents happen. That's when we lose our game and lose our focus and th bad things happen to us. This past uh, week, I was driving from Starbucks down to Pomaikai, you know, that road down there, and the traffic was just backed up. And, and I was like, what's going on? And, you know, we, it takes us a while, but right when we get to, like, around Ace Hardware, uh, there was a, a car that veered off the road from the opposite side and hit a tree and there was a police car next to it, and there was, like, all kinds of, like, smoke coming out of it. The fender was, was falling off. And as I'm driving by, everybody is, like, rubbernecking. How, how many of you like to rubberneck when you see the, the accidents on the side of the road? And nothing happened on that, on the right-hand side of the road. Nothing happened on the left. It was, like, in the middle, but traffic was backed up all the way to Starbucks because everybody was focused on somebody else that didn't run their race well. And, and went into a tree. And it's the same way in our lives. When we focus on somebody else's crash or somebody else that didn't run their race, it backs us up and kind of screws up our own journey. And so Jesus, he talks in Matthew chapter 7 of how to have an unshakable foundation. And it's easy to dismiss this as like a, eh, you know, I don't do that. This is, it's not that important. But this is the most known sermon that Jesus has ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and he includes this one thing as a foundation of our perspective 
to develop an unshakable life. And so um, let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you've called us to be ambassadors of a kingdom that is unshakable. And you said that you're going to shake everything that can be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And Lord, we live in a day where so many people build their foundations on things that are so easily taken away and so easily shaken. And Lord, we pray that we would be a people that, that would live in a countercultural way, that we wouldn't focus on the outside, that we would treasure our character and the things that are inside, that we wouldn't overemphasize the things on this earth, but we would seek first your kingdom. And God, that we, would, we wouldn't judge others, but we would look to ourselves and see what you're doing in our, our own lives. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd speak through your word this morning, change and transform our perspective, and give us the grace to live the way that you've called us to. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Um, let's start by reading Matthew chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. Uh, if you'd read this with me at the count of three, one, two, three. And how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, um, there's three things that I'm going to point out in the scripture. Number one is judging others leads to judgment of yourself. Number two is judgment of others can be used as a mirror to identify faults in your own character. How many of you are excited about finding out the faults that are in your own character? Anyone? Oh, that's like two people. Um, number three, working on our character allows for us to grow into a place where we can help others, but be careful who you help. So the first point, judging others leads to judgment of yourself. Uh, judging others leads to judgment of yourself. Uh, let's read the scripture together, Matthew 7, 1 through 2. At the count of three, one, two, three. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So there's three different places where you will find judgment if you judge others. Um, the first place is yourself. You will end up judging yourself if you judge others. The second place is others will judge you if you're a person that likes to judge others. And then the last is God himself, that there's a, a relationship with God that suffers when we become judgmental of other people. So judgment, uh, it says, judge not that you be not judged for whatever you judge others, you will be judged. Um, I remember the first time that I met someone that was extremely wealthy, and uh, he, it was in college. I met this one guy through a friend, and um, he was very young. He was like 25 years old, and he drove me up to his house. It was on Hawaii Ridge on Oahu, overlooking um, Hawaii Kai and the, the, the bay there. And, um, and he had like, you know, Mercedes and all that kind of stuff. He had like this beautiful home and this pool in the back. And I remember, like, because I've never seen somebody like that or a house like that, uh, my first thing when, when, you know, he was driving me up here, I realized that I had this uh, mindset that rich people were, were mean, they were selfish, um, you know, they were greedy. Like, I had this perspective of people who were wealthy. And then I got to his house, and he, like, 
he was like serving me food and you know uh, showing me his home and we we're cruising outside by the swimming pool and I remember um, I, I, I had a conversation with him and I was like man I thought like rich people were selfish and greedy and like mean but you're so nice and and he told me something that I, I never forgot and he said he said John if you judge people for what they have then you will never have what they have if you judge people for what they have and you think that because they have certain things that they're bad people, you will keep yourself from ever becoming wealthy. And I, I, I thought about that and I realized that he was right, that I actually judge myself when I judge other people. And when I put stereotypes out there, it actually prevents my growth in certain areas because I subconsciously won't allow myself to succeed in certain ways because I have this preconceived judgment. And so I find that true with, I remember the first time that I ever found this to be true was one of my best friends, this, is, this might not apply to, to, to you here, and there's nobody really young here, so I don't know why I'm telling you this story, but the first time that I ever, I ever realized that judgment hindered someone was my one of my good friends was a skateboarder and he was sponsored he was like this amazing skateboarder and skateboarding started changing when I was in high school to like just you know ollieing high and doing fast downhill stuff to more intricate tricks and 360 kick foot volleys and all this kind of stuff and and all of skateboarding at, at, you know in the the parks and whatnot started shifting into this more like freestyle, um, complicated freestyling tricks. And so we all started learning these tricks, but my friend, he was kind of old school, and, and all he did was judge. He was like, that's so dumb. Like, why are they bringing those tricks into skateboarding? That's not street skating. That's freestyle skating. And, and he got all judgmental. And then I found myself that I didn't want to skate around him because I wanted to learn all those tricks. And and pretty soon, it was like our whole group started like learning all these tricks. And he himself, this guy that was sponsored, just stopped his growth. He never progressed, and he never learned the new stuff because he was so judgmental about what was going on. And I realized that it's not just skateboarding, it's not just money, but it's everything. That when we judge other people, we actually hold ourselves back. And so Jesus says, don't judge lest you be judged. Um, the other thing that happens when we judge other people is we open ourselves to people judging us. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you had a parent that would constantly pester you about and judge you about certain things? And then as they judge you about those certain things, in your mind, you think, who are you to judge me? Because you do the same thing. And, and then when we start judging people in our own circle, it, we open up ourselves to them judging us. And so Jesus says, just don't do it. Um, don't judge other people because with the measurement that we judge others, it will be returned to us both internally, subconsciously, and uh, the people closest to us will judge. One of the things that God spoke to me is even the people that I don't agree with, the people that I don't have chemistry with and don't personally like. The worst thing that I can do is talk to my kids about it. 
and say, you know that person, you know that person, that person's dumb, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that. Because you know what that teaches them to do? Judge me. <laughs> I'm like training them to be critical, and, and pretty soon they're going to take all the things that I say, and they're going to use that against me. So I know that I have a lot of problems. I have a lot of issues, right? And the best thing that I can do to have my kids love me is to... to, to practice grace with everybody that I know and say, you know that person? He's an idiot, but I love him. And then that way, my kids, at some point, they're going to be, they're, they're going to say like, you know my dad, he's an idiot, but I love him. And I, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. But whatever we, we sow, we're going we're gonna to reap. So Jesus says, don't judge. Just stay, stay away from judging. The second thing, judgment of others can be used as a mirror to identify fault in our own character. Um, let's read the scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Now, you probably read this scripture the exact same way that I read this scripture, which is like, that's cool, but God's not talking about me because there's no plank in my eye. God's talking about Sharina. That's my sister. <laughs> because we read this and we're like, there's no plank in my eye. When I see something wrong in my friend, God's not talking to me because I have nothing. Do you see anything in my I don't have anything in my eye. But this scripture is talking to every single one. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. God's talking to you. This scripture of the plank in your eye is, is talking to, to you and me. Whenever we see something wrong in somebody else's life, it is a direct, a direct response to the things that are in our own lives. Let me give you an illustration. This is one of the best, and I've, I've said it before, but you have three people, and they're, 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 they're at a new job. And the boss comes to the three people and says, hey, I want you to input this stuff into the computer and then file it. The first person, he says, oh, I don't know how to use a computer. I don't know how to file stuff. Like, I, don't, I need somebody to teach me. I don't know how to do that. The second person is like, oh, that's easy. But I don't want to be a brown noser. I don't want to kiss up to the boss. I don't want people to think that I'm like, like trying to get a promotion or something. And then the third guy, he just like stands up and he does it. What is the first person going to think? The first person is going to look at him and think, man, what a competent guy. Maybe like I can ask him how to do it, and he can teach me. The second person, what is the second person going to think? He's going to look at him and think, what a brown noser. Like kissing up to the boss. What an idiot. He just wants to get promoted. Why? Because it was in his own heart. His judgment was a reflection of the junk that was in his own heart. It was the exact same action, but two people perceived it in different ways because what was in the heart was different. And so every single time we look at somebody else and we judge somebody for something or point out a flaw or we, we, we project a certain intention or motive, it's a tool that we can use to, to ask God, hey, is there something in here that I could work on? Amen? I remember like growing up as a kid, my parents would, whenever we had a fight, my parents would always play the devil's advocate. Like we, we well, my dad. Because <laughs> my dad, he would always, he, whenever we would come to my dad and say, 
hey, you know, Sharina did this to me, blah, blah, blah. He would say, well, what did you do? I didn't do anything. No, you did something. Even if you did 1% was your problem, you need to own that 1% and take responsibility and ownership and change that. And I'd say, yeah, but she, no, 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 it doesn't matter about her. You can't change her. What did you do? And focus on you. You know, and, and I remember that was always, that was always like the thing that would happen whenever we would get in arguments. My mom, she was like completely different. When we would come to my mom and say, Sharina did this, and she would say, John did this, she would say, one cry, you all cry. Wah-pah, wah-pah, you know, and we just get lickings. So we learned over time, just don't talk to my mom about fights. Like, you bring them to your dad, and then he'll, he'll tell you that you're wrong. Um, but, but that constantly got us to, like, look inside, and what did we do wrong, and take ownership for the things that, that we do wrong. Um, you know, this can be used. This is a powerful, this is, if you, if you use judgment to turn around and say, God, what is it that I can work on? It becomes one of the most powerful tools that God can use to shape your character into the image of Christ. It seems very, very simple, but it's, it's the, one of the most powerful things. Like, I was thinking, like, what's the craziest thing that you could apply this to? And so I'm going to use my wife. <laughs> so, so my wife is the most loving, the most patient, the most, you know, amazing person, unless... It's Christmas in Costco's parking lot. Christmas time at Costco's parking lot, she turns into like this crazy beast. And the, the most mad that I ever see her is in the parking lot when she's waiting for a parking space, somebody pulls out and then somebody snakes the parking space. Then the Filipino comes out the Filipino rage, and then she just, like, all motions in the car. Like, her hands and, like, everything. Like, she's screaming and yelling. She gets all brave in the car because, like, you know, she knows the, the huge guy that's sitting behind the wheel of the other car is not going to attack her. And I'm on the side saying, like, look at my arms. Like, I'm not going to do anything to that guy. It's just to like, calm down a little bit, simmer, you know. And, and that's the time that I'm, like, speaking in tongues and saying, dear Jesus, please, like, don't let this. Anyway. Even in situations like that, what does that reveal about her character? <laughs> she, could, she could take that and say, you know, at, the, at that time, that's not, see, there's, there's a scripture here that says, uh, uh, don't, 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 uh, be careful who you correct because it says that they'll trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So at the time that somebody's mad, mad, that's not the time to like say, you know, you could work on this area in your life. <laughs> like, wrong time. Um, but the times that we do get upset, we can use those times to say, God, what is it that you could work in my life? Why am I getting so upset about this parking space? Does it have my name on it? <laughs> God, please give me patience. There's a whole bunch of things that we could work on. Thank you for letting me use you as an example. I love you. Um, <laughs> number three, working on our character allows us to grow into a place where we can help others, but be careful who you help. If we use this one thing, if we use judgment of others and we use it as a mirror 
to ask God what we can work on, it becomes one of the most powerful tools to change. And, and so much so that God says, if you change this perspective, if you stop focusing on other people and you focus on yourself, I'm going to change you to the place where you will be able to help other people in the exact same position. And for, for us that, all of us, we struggle in different areas. We struggle in areas of patience, of anger, of addiction, of hopelessness, of depression. There's so many different areas that we struggle in that God, in his grace and his mercy, will help us to process and help us to change if we reach out to him and say, God, I am in, it's not about the other person's race. It's not about how they're crashing and burning. It's about my race that I'm not running well. And can you please help me to change, to run the race that you've given me to the best of my ability? And when we focus on ourselves, when we focus on our assignment, when we focus on our character and say, God, I need a savior. I need someone to help me do me. I need someone to help me do the assignment that you've given. There's a grace that falls on our life. And you know the amazing thing that happens is that as God begins to change our lives, we begin to have a compassion and a love for other people that are in the same area, that struggle in the same area. What happens when we don't do that, we become very judgmental. How many of you, how many of you notice that you get the most irritated with your kids that do the exact same thing as you? Anyone besides me? The things that I struggle with irritate me the most when I see it in someone else. And if I don't change that, I can just sit in that judgment and sit in that impatience and get resentful and angry because it's all in my own life and I haven't dealt with it. But what God says is don't judge. Instead, look at the plank that's in my own eye. And what happens when I do that is God begins to change my heart and he changes me so that I, I become different. And then I have a heart of compassion toward people that struggle in that same area. Instead of getting mad that they're doing that, I begin to have compassion, and then God can use me as his tool to help somebody change. And it's such a powerful thing if we can, if we can grasp it and, and change it. Um, but then he so Jesus says, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. We're all hypocrites. We all have junk in our lives. We all need to change. It says, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. God, his end goal in all of this is that he wants to use you. He wants to use me to make a difference in someone else's life, but it has to be with the right heart and the right attitude and after we let God deal with us in our own lives. And so he, he says, then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he says this, he says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearl before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and tear you to pieces. So this is what Jesus says. There's a vast difference between somebody who works on themselves, and somebody who judges others. 
Jesus actually calls people who judge others and they don't care about themselves and they're unteachable, uncorrectable. He actually calls them dogs and swines that if you try to teach a dog or a swine how to get better, they're going to turn and rip you to shreds because they don't want to learn. They don't want to get better. They don't want to grow. They don't want to know what's wrong with them. And so there's a big difference between that small little perspective of judging others or using that to change my own character in my life. Does that make sense? And then, and, and then it says, lest they trample them under their feet. So like if you say, hey, I noticed that you have this area of, you know, you need to work on that. <laughs> if they're not in a place, unsolicited advice is probably not a good idea. And that's what Jesus says is like, the, number one is, when we take that, it becomes so valuable in our lives because it changes us. It becomes like this pearl. It's so valuable because it, it has the potential to, to help us grow and become what Christ wants us to be. And he says, don't take that and put that, you know, in the life of someone who doesn't want it. Lest they trample it under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Only give the things that have benefited your life, it's so valuable. Only give it to people who will value it and who, to people who want it. And then God can use it to, to work in their life as well. And the last thing that I want to say is, is if we can do that, if we can focus on running our own race and focusing on our character instead of the issues in someone else's life, there's a promise because the the very next portion of scripture, the very next, uh, the very next teaching that Jesus says is, "Ask and it will be given to you; seek and you'll find; knock and the door will be open to you." For if you ask, for everyone who asks will receive; everyone who seeks will find; everyone who knocks, it will be open. And then it, and then it goes on to say, uh, "How much more will your heavenly Father?" In heaven, give good things to those who ask of him. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus closes off that teaching of judgment by saying, if you work on these areas and you use your perception of judgment of other people as a mirror to yourself, that you will be a person that God can entrust the power of answered prayer to. Because it's not going to be about what you want. It's going to be about what he wants. And so if, if we switch that in our lives, and it's totally countercultural to what we're seeing in our society right now. Everything that we see is about judging government, judging institutions, judging this race, judging that race, finding this thing wrong, finding that thing wrong. And that's all throughout our culture. And that's the kingdom of this earth. Jesus said, we are not that. We are countercultural. We're the kingdom of heaven and instead of judging other people, God has called us to run our own race and to become what he's called us to be. And then he can use us to impact the lives of others and to see his kingdom advance and be his hands and feet. Amen? Is that good? Is the Sermon on the Mount is amazing, and this is the pathway to the power of answered prayer. And next week we're going to talk about the narrow way and 
discernment and building our house on a rock. And that we're going to close it out with that, that message. Um, today, we're going to end by calling Jamie up. Uh, we're going to do the, the official congratulations next week, but um, all the graduations have happened, I think. I don't think there's any graduation that has not happened yet, right? Um, yeah, so if, you, if you'd stand. Um, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face turn upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and give you his peace. Have a great week and God bless you.